hey, we're in the book of Luke, Luke chapter two. Let me kind of explain what this is. Um, this is something maybe you've heard a lot, Advent Sunday or um, just Advent in general. If you're like me and you heard the word Advent as a child, uh, you probably thought of the Trader Joe's Advent calendar. Now, I don't know, you didn't really have it out here. I had it back home in California. Now they have it. This is my kids, I had to steal it. Don't tell them it's here, they'll be very mad. But th- this is for me, when I heard the word Advent, I was like, yes, chocolate, the arrival of chocolate. That's what it meant. Every day I'd start off my day with a piece of chocolate. That's probably why I am the way I am. Um, and that was like our thing is Advent calendar. That's what you do is like the, you had to open up the next little flap, get a chocolate for the day, all the way lead up to Christmas. It was so much fun. Um, here's the idea of Advent. It's not the arrival of chocolate. Okay. Um, Advent is this word. It comes from the Latin Adventus. It just means uh, the one who is on his way, arrival or coming. It's really associated with like the nobility, like someone is coming with honor. Someone of honor is coming. The arrival, the coming of that person. There is an excitement. If someone you look up to, and I, I can't like name names because everyone has different preferences and desires, but if someone you honor were to show up and walk in this room, whether a sports hero or actor hero, political hero, I have no idea. But if they're to walk in this room, there's a sense of like, oh, they're here, the arrival. And maybe you knew that and the anticipation of that. It was something you look forward to. It's something you'd kind of prepare for, you'd get ready for. The idea of Advent Sunday, it's really four Sundays historically, leading up to Christmas. It starts the Sunday after uh, Thanksgiving, and it's the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. And it was the idea of hope, love, joy, peace. Those are kind of the themes of Advent. Hope, love, joy, peace. Why those four words is more associated with the idea because of Jesus' arrival and coming, we have hope, we have love, we have joy, we have peace. This was the idea. So there'd actually be four candles, You'd light a candle every week. This would be the week of peace, the last Sunday leading up to Christmas, which is next Sunday. But it's just that idea of like, yes, Jesus, with your arrival comes so much beauty. With your arrival comes so much, so much expectation of what can be, of hope, of love, of joy, of peace. So here's how we're going to look at this today. Um, I want to look at Advent from this perspective of we're looking back and we're looking ahead. Here's what's very interesting about Christmas and this season This is supposed to be a time we can slow down, even though you feel like it's busier than ever. This is supposed to be a time where we slow down and we look back and we remember. And we reflect on this crazy truth that I want to talk about. But you and I believe some insane things. We believe God literally himself came to earth and walked among us and his name is Jesus. I mean, that's a beautiful, we're saying, God, you're not just distant, you came near. God, you came here. And, and there were actually people back in that day looking for the arrival of the Messiah. Not many, not many. But there were a few people that shouldn't it be about the time the Messiah comes. And now for us today, we're supposed to do the same thing. Like Advent creates within us this reminder of Jesus' first coming, but this expectant hope of his second coming. Advent creates within us, just like back then, there's few people looking. Today, I think there's probably few people looking and waiting and longing for the coming of Jesus. So the title today is simply Advent, looking back and looking ahead. Looking back, looking ahead. This is the whole point of Advent, if you you ever hear that word. So it's not the arrival of the chocolate from the calendar, it's the arrival of King Jesus. It's the arrival of that he came, but he's also coming. And the question is, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus came to earth? Do you believe that Jesus is coming back to earth? This is Advent. This is what we're going to look at today. There are two people... Uh, Simeon and Anna, who did this very well. 
and we have a lot to learn from in their story. So Luke 2, Simeon, we're going to see, was a man filled with the Holy Spirit, like awesome man of God. Like God himself spoke to him that you will see the Messiah before you die. Then there's Anna. She's a prophetess. There's quite a few women prophetesses in the Bible, and she's obviously very connected to the Lord, very close to the Lord. They're both, Anna's very old, we know. Uh, Legend or history tells us that Simeon was possibly over 100 years old. So two older people, uh, but they were expectant for the Messiah. God was speaking to them. God was still working in their lives, and they got to see the Messiah in their day. So the reason why we're going to look at this passage again, stay with me today, is for us, how do we learn from Simeon and Anna and have the same expectation, the same character, the same perspective of Advent? They are hopeful, they are expectant, they are waiting, they are receiving, they are longing. We want to look at this. So why don't we read our text? It's Luke chapter 2, verse 22, and we'll uh, read all the way through verse 38. Amazing story. So Luke 22 or Luke 2, verse 22, Jesus is born, the angels are singing, the shepherds are aware. Now verse 22, and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Jesus is probably 40 days old. They're probably fulfilling Leviticus chapter 12 to offer either turtle doves for a poor family or a sacrifice. So he's probably 40 days old, just a cute little baby. It says, to present him to the Lord, verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. That was for poor families. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. An amazing thing. Verse 27. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up, he picks up Jesus in his arms, and he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And, so also in the temple, there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Uh, She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, just serving the Lord year after year. And coming up at the very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, to all, to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Simeon and Anna, two people desperately waiting and looking for the coming of the Messiah. Before they died, God gave them that privilege of seeing him. Uh, my hope is that you and I will see Jesus, that we will see him, that we will know him, that we'll believe in him. And like Simeon and Anna, that we will wait with expectant hope for the coming of Jesus. So why don't we pray? And then we'll look at this text a little bit more in depth. Let's do that. Father, we just want to say thank you. 
thank you for what um, this time is. We, we know you weren't born December 25th. We know this is just a, a season for us, though, to slow down and remember the powerful truth that, God, you, you actually walked among us, that you actually left heaven and you took on flesh. You wrapped yourself, you clothed yourself in humanity, and you walked among us. And God, we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. There's no other faith or worldview that offers this idea that you suffer with us, you walked among us. Lord, you are fully God and yet fully man. Jesus, we look to you in that way and say thank you. Um, we ask that we would learn from, from Simeon and from Anna. God, just with just a worshipful, devout heart for you, waiting, looking, longing for the coming of the Messiah. Lord, you gave them that privilege, and we ask Jesus, even so in our day, even so, come. Come, Lord Jesus. We ask in the same way, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to perceive what it is your spirit wants to reveal to us. Lord, would you just do something fresh and beautiful in our hearts today? And we just want to thank you again for this, this season of Advent, of arrival, of coming, that, Lord, you have come. We thank you in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So Advent is a season where it really is two kind of postures in some ways. It's you're looking back, you're remembering that Jesus came, that God entered earth, but we're also looking ahead. And the idea of we're looking ahead with like this hopeful expectancy, it's this idea that um, you will actually change, like you want to change your character, your behavior in light of this truth that he's coming. Like he's coming. And so it's almost like I want to live differently in light of that. I want to do things differently in light of that. You know, when my uh, wife, now Kimber, and I were first dating, I remember when she first was coming like, over to the house and the fear of her arrival, the fear of her showing up and like, just meeting everybody and seeing my room. And oh gosh, remember those feelings? It's hard. It's, it's so long ago now, right? But I remember that, that thought of like, she's coming. I got to clean my room up. And it probably didn't look clean, but I tried. But it's the idea of like, I got I to make things right. There's always this idea of like, because of someone's arrival, I got to make things right. I got to clean things up. I got, I got to fix this. It's like, even you go on a date, you're like, oh, my, my car's terrible. I got to clean my car. Like, you just, you, you want to change things in light of that. You know, I think about yesterday, it was just my kids. You know, we had one of those awesome parent moments. Uh, just, you know, we're driving my wife to get her oil changed and we had to take two cars and, you know, I have the kids in the back seat and, you know, just one of those, this is going to be a long Saturday kind of moments with fighting and chaos. And I did what you're not supposed to do. I, I, I bribed them. Okay. I know it's bad parenting advice. But I was like, listen, if you can just, because, you know, it's like 25, 20 minute drive, whatever. I'm like, if you can just be nice and love each other, when we get mom, we'll get a donut. And they changed immediately. So don't, don't do what I do though. Don't, this is not great. So, because we gave the donut and then they became little terrors because they're full of sugar. It's awful. Um, but I got 20 minutes of peace. And I thought it was good. But the idea was in light of something coming, like, oh, there's a donut to come. I will change. It, it just does something to us, right? The point of me bringing this up is obviously in light of Jesus' coming, it just does something. It did something to Simeon, to Anna, hopefully to us, not just behavior modification like children can do, but truly to the core of, our, of who we are. Saying, Jesus, in light of your coming, like, I want to do this differently. Like, I only have one life. How do I make the most of this? And how do I not waste it? And how do I live in light of your coming? Throughout the Bible, there is this idea that the Messiah is going to come. And there was a, a confusing kind of thing. Is it one coming? Is it two comings? And there was really confusion, I think, amongst the Jewish people that the Messiah would come and everything would happen at once. 
we see clearly looking back, there's two separate comings. We'll want to look at that. But just this idea of the Messiah who is to come, it changed everything. It changed how they did life. It changed how they love and serve each other. It changed how generous, it, it changes things. So this idea of Advent Sunday, my hope is that it changes things. Now we're going to walk through this text, but um, there's three kind of heart postures of Advent. Like when I was re- just really kind of diving in, like what is Advent? Like what is this? And why do we hear this word in four Sundays, hope, love, joy, peace? But what, what is it? There's kind of a spirit or an attitude that comes with Advent. I'm going to throw the words up here. It's just simply waiting, receiving, longing. If I had to describe what Advent is, if you want to do your best, like what is Advent? It's this heart posture of waiting, of receiving, and of longing. You're waiting with like hope, you're receiving with gratitude, and you're longing with expectation. It's just, I'm waiting, I'm receiving, I'm longing. So let's just kind of break this down. Number one is waiting. There, there is this idea that um, in this season, hopefully we can slow down a bit and really wait. And the Bible talks about this phrase a lot, like wait on the Lord. And obviously there's confusion about that or what does that mean or what does that look like? Before I even describe that, I just want to say there's something about just like slowing down and you're waiting with this mindset, like, God, I know you're going to show up. I know you're going to arrive I know you're going to be faithful. I know you're going to do it. I'm waiting for you, Lord. I'm expectant. It kind of communicates like this idea of anticipation. You know, I'm like, I cannot wait. I'm like anticipating this. I have like a love-hate relationship with this idea of anticipation. You know what I mean? Like when you're really anticipating something, if someone texts you today and they're like, hey, can we talk? That's not the best anticipation. You're like, what, is that, what does that mean? You're like, no, talk right now. Call me. Like, what is going on? I, I, for me, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I, like, five hours of that, like, I can't live in this. I'm going to call you right now. I can't do that. I don't love the can we talk kind of a thing. That anticipation kills me. But there's certain anticipation that it just it leads to this buildup of excitement, of like, I can't wait for this. It's interesting how the coming of Jesus, for some, it's like a fearful thing. Like, it's like a can we talk later. You're like, ugh, like Jesus is coming back? For others, it, it, that same phrase, like Jesus is coming back, it creates this buildup, this sense of longing, this sense of expecting. There's something beautiful about that. I want to encourage our church body, you guys, us today, how can we truly just wait on the Lord? How do we have a spirit of waiting? Let me explain. Look at verse uh, 25. We'll put the verse up here. It says, Simeon was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now, you're like, what does that even mean? He's waiting for the redemption of Israel. He's waiting for Israel to be Israel. He's waiting for the idea of Jesus, the Messiah comes, and he's ruling and he's reigning. He's waiting, he's waiting for that shalom. He's waiting for that peace. He's waiting for everything he was talked about, that there would be the son of David, the son of Abraham, this one who'd make things right, this one that would come from the seed of Adam, this one that stemmed from the, uh, the woman, He's there, he was waiting, truly waiting for the consolation of Israel. That phrase, uh, there's actually this Jewish prayer that many Jews in that day, and still actually to this day, they still pray this prayer. It's a simple little prayer. It's, they say, may I see the consolation of Israel. That's something they prayed today. That's something they prayed then. This is a very common Jewish prayer. It's a simple prayer. May I see the consolation. I want to see the Messiah. I want to see Israel be what's supposed to be. I want to see him come back and bring perfect peace, bring shalom. Simeon had this idea, like, I'm waiting for that. I want to be a part of that. 
That's a beautiful perspective to have. I kind of want to remind you just of even um, what it says about his, his character. It says, Simeon was just and devout. This is so important. And this is, this is key. Waiting, God builds character through waiting. This is so often what the Lord does. And I don't want to lose sight of this. Usually in waiting, we get kind of like, you know, antsy and kind of like frustrated. And like, when will this happen? But when you wait well, this is when God does his best work on us. This is when God builds character. I don't think it's a a coincidence that he's just and devout and he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. Uh, 1 John 3 has this verse. It's it's talking about the coming of Jesus. It says, when we see him, we will be like him. 1 John 3, 2. And then it says, and everyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. This idea of like, we will see Jesus. We will be like Jesus, 1 John 3, 2. We won't be him. We'll see him be like him. And everyone who has that hope purifies himself just as he is pure. There's something about waiting. There's something about looking forward the promise of the Messiah that leads to character. There is this thought sometimes that you can be so heavenly minded, you're no, no earthly good. When in reality, I think the only way to be earthly good is to be heavenly minded. <laughs> it's the same like, this is, not, this is not forever. This is not life. I got to live for something bigger than me. Like this is not, this is, I'm not guaranteed another day, another moment. I'm not guaranteed 50 more years. Like I, I, this, this is just like a, a small little blimp in light of eternity. I think there's something about saying, so how can I make the most of today? How can I live a life on display for Jesus today? And so you see this idea of Simeon just waiting. I, and I want to be really clear too. Think about this. Um, the last book that they have that we have was like Malachi, right? Um, besides like the Maccabees and the Maccabean Revolt and that history, there's like the last real book of the Tanakh was Malachi. Then there's 400 years of silence. Like I want you to think about that. 400 years of silence. 400 years of Babylon took over. We're back in Jerusalem. We're rebuilding with Nehemiah. 400 years now of silence. Where's the Messiah? Are we just believing this in vain? Could you imagine like just everything we've been through? Like we've been oppressed by the Greeks. Now we're oppressed by the Romans. It's been 400 years of just crickets. And then Jesus bursts on the scene. Simeon gets to see this. Simeon gets to be part of this. He's waiting for the, con- he, and he, I love this because I love that it says in verse 27, like it says the Holy Spirit revealed to him, you will see the Messiah before you die. And he's just like, okay, he has his hope. I'm going to see him. I'm going to see the, I'm going to see the, I'm going to see the consolation, like the, the one who's going to comfort Israel. The one who's going to bring comfort and peace, I'm going to see this. And he sees little baby Jesus. I'm bringing all of this up because it is so important when it comes to Advent, this idea of waiting. I want to, again, just make sure you, I clarify the point. It's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Now listen to how Peter writes this. He says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired the scriptures carefully inquiring of what time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings and the Christ and the sub, uh, subsequent glories. This idea in Peter is saying like, they were looking, they're looking for like, when will the Christ come? When will he be here? You know, you can do some fun Bible study on this, Daniel chapter seven, and read about the 77 prophecies. The 77 is like, what is that? And this idea of like 490 years from this moment, you're gonna basically see the arrival of the Messiah like at 483, and then for a seven year period, he'll be cut off. This idea, right? If you just basically, and we, I'm not gonna be able to get to Daniel seven today, I'm sorry. But if you basically look at this or do the math and go look back, from that point on, 483 years later, you have the arrival of Jesus. I mean, it's truly unbelievable. From what was prophesied to Daniel in Babylon, 483 years later, here's Jesus. It's unbelievable. So there's people like Simeon who searched the scriptures carefully, who searched them and said, shouldn't the Messiah be coming around now? 
there were people who like knew the word of God, loved the word of God, and actually believed the word of God, and it did something in their heart. It did something to his character. He's just, he's devout, he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's waiting for the Messiah. There is something about knowing the word, studying the word, loving it, and then also to the point where like, it needs to do something to you. It needs to like, prepare your heart and like prepare within you this expectancy that God is going to come. He's going to be faithful. Yes, there's been 400 years of silence. Yes, Daniel was given 483 years ago, but it's supposed to be around now, isn't it? And this is this idea or expectancy, and I love this. Think about this. It says in Matthew chapter 1, the author writes, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of Jewish people who did believe then or even now. There wasn't a lot of Jewish people who believed that the Messiah would be God. This idea of in Isaiah 7, what he's quoting from, he's saying, listen, the virgin shall be with child. She shall bear a child. His name will be called Emmanuel. God, he'll walk among us. He'll be God with us. There'll be this virgin who gives birth and this God will walk among us. And there's some people who took this literally. And they're like, like Simeon, who are like looking for this. And there's someone like, no, we're going to try to dismiss it. Maybe the, vir- the word virgin, it just means a young woman. doesn't really mean a virgin. And they try to dismiss it. But he's like, no, no, there's some people who said, no, no, he's, he's going to come. He's going to be born of a virgin. Like, they're expecting it. They're looking for it. And think about this. If people back then, 2,000 years ago, if Jewish people could believe that Jesus is fully God, then how much more for us? There was never a mindset that the, that the Messiah would ever be fully God. There was never that mindset until they realized he is fully God. Until they saw him and they go, oh my goodness. He's not just a man. He is fully God, fully man. See, this season is a season for us to recognize Jesus is 100% man and 100% God. This is the great mystery of the incarnation. This is Philippians 2. This is the idea that he clothed himself in humanity. It's almost like he, had, he, he clothed himself, but he's still fully divine. It's that illustration of, a, you know, a beautiful brand new car. Let's say like a McLaren worth, you know, half a million dollars. And if you, you ride around like in the mud or on the mountain, it just gets dirty and filthy, just covered in mud. Listen, it's covered in mud. It's filthy, but it's still a half a million dollar McLaren. All you have to do is just wipe the mud off. You'll see it. You'll see the glory. This idea is fully God, fully man, just covered in, in humanity. And you see this Jesus come on the scene. And you see people like Simeon just waiting and ready and looking for this. And listen, I want to acknowledge, like, if you struggle with the idea of the virgin birth, I feel like that's a, a really big struggle for many. I can't, like, no one gives birth with, by being a virgin, and you struggle with that thought. There's an argument from, like, the greater to the lesser. You know, obviously, I do believe that God created everything. I believe that God spoke everything into existence. So it's very easy for me, personally, to believe in the virgin birth. Why? Because everything came from God. God created everything. Well, I don't believe God created everything. I don't believe everything came from him. I think you have a harder question to answer because matter doesn't create matter. Matter doesn't just pop into existence. Matter is not eternal. There has to be something outside of all of that. I feel like it truly takes more faith to believe that matter creates matter, that matter just popped into existence than something outside of that. That's something that is not bound to our time, our limits. We serve a God who's outside of all that. So if I can believe that, that virgin birth, that's easy. That's easy for me. Because I believe we serve a God who just spoke everything in existence, created everything, that everything comes from him and through him. And you say, I don't believe that. I think you have more faith than I do. Because you just believe everything came from nothing, which is insane to me. <laughs> I think obviously something came from something, and it came from God. An ultimate, beautiful, inspired designer. And we see this virgin birth, and we see the miracles of Jesus. And, and I love what J.I. Packer says about this, because some people struggle with this. He says, simply, it is from misbelief, or at least inadequate belief, about the incarnation that difficulties at other points in the gospel story usually spring. But once the incarnation is grasped as a reality, t- these other difficulties dissolve. 
For me, it's like I start with creation, I go to the incarnation, everything else is just easier. I want you to see Jesus is fully God, fully man. He was waiting for this. He was waiting for the one who'd be born of a virgin. He's waiting for the one that Daniel prophesied about in Daniel 7. He's waiting for the one that'd come from Bethlehem that uh, Micah talks about. There are some people who just knew it and were looking for it and he sees it. But this idea of waiting is so key because the spirit of this Advent season is God's trying to prepare our hearts to just wait. How do we become better at waiting? Lamentations 3.25, listen. It says, the Lord is good to those who what? Who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Do you have this spirit of just God, I'm waiting? My prayer might not be answered yet, but I'm gonna wait faithfully. What I thought would have happened by now, even though it didn't happen, I'm waiting with expectation. Lord, I'm waiting on you. I'm gonna be of good courage. Like, I'm waiting, even though it's not happening when I want, how I want. Because you can imagine Simeon going, God, I'm getting pretty old now. When is this going to happen? When am I going to see this? He's waiting, though. We was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Psalm 27, 13, 14 says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. There's something about, I would have lost heart unless, unless I believed, unless I waited. Because I waited, I believe. I wait with belief. I wait with expectation. We're going to see Anna in a second. She waited by serving. She served in the temple, just day in, day out. But this idea of just waiting expectantly, waiting faithfully, listen, we wait with expectation. We wait with expectation. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was waiting for that. One verse, Isaiah 49, one with this. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. Let me say this, wait. If you feel like right now, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. And you kind of feel like you're at that breaking point. This is usually when God wants to show up. It's kind of when you get to the end of yourself. Like, don't give in at that point in time. Like, just wait, keep waiting. And wait expectantly. Wait with anticipation. Wait in belief. This is what we see Simeon do. He's just clinging to the scriptures. He's clinging to the spirit with the spirit revealed to him. He's waiting on that. The, the spirit of Advent is the spirit of waiting. Yes, those who wait on the Lord will not be put to shame. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Wait, that's the first thing. Number two is this, the spirit of Advent is number two is this. It's receiving, receiving. The next thing that is so key to this whole idea of, of this Christmas season, like what is this about, Advent? It's about receiving, which is maybe uncomfortable for some of you. Some of you don't like, some of you like are givers. I love that. You want to give. Great. Be givers. My wife, giver. Love it. Be a giver, but be a receiver. Like receive. You need to receive in this season. It says in, um, we'll throw the verse up here so you can kind of see it. Verse 28. It says, then he, so Simeon, took him up in his arms and blessed God. I don't know. I love this thought. So Simeon sees Mary and Joseph. They see the baby and he just steals baby Jesus. I can't imagine if you're married like this. You have like, you have this divine baby born of, like, you know, and this guy's like, oh, he's here. It just takes him from you. And he blesses God and then he sings over him. I love that because I love babies. Babies are fun, man. I have a seven month old. I just picture that a big, chunky, cute baby Jesus. I don't know. I just love it. I love my, my, my wife. I talk, we talk about it because my, my baby, he's big. He's a big, chunky baby. But like, there's something about his cheeks. Like, she's like, he's like, oh, he has magnets in his cheeks. And I just can't stop kissing. It's so true. You just can't stop kissing. And I just think about him grabbing this baby Jesus. It's funny, when my uh, firstborn, Micah, was born, 
we brought him to England when he was eight weeks old. We went to, on a mission trip to England. Uh, Micah was eight weeks old. And there's this big, I think he was Scottish, even though we're in England, this big Scottish dude. And he's like, a baby! And just like picked him up from my life. And I loved it. He just started like walking around the facility, this, like, this uh, outreach we're doing. He's just walking around praying over our baby. And as parents, you're kind of like, just take him. We're tired anyways. Like, you don't care. Like, just take him. You know. But it was, so, it was just so sweet. He just got the baby and started blessing him. And I was like, yes. There's something, it was just, it blessed us, to be honest. It was so sweet. Uh, this, what Simeon does here, this has been historically called the nunc dementis. <laughs> Basically, in Latin, he's just saying, let me depart now. I can depart. This is actually one of the, it's not the first, surprisingly. This is one of the first Christmas hymns, if you think about it. This is that this idea of the arrival of Jesus, and he just sings over him. It's like a Christmas hymn, the Nuntimitis. It's, Lord, I can depart now. I can die a happy man now. I can go now, God. Oh, this is so good. I got to see him. Can I say, there's something about receiving what God has brought. There's something about receiving what God has done. Not fighting it, but receiving it with open arms, celebrating, rejoicing. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 12 says this, as many as what? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. If you receive Jesus, he's like, you're mine. You're adopted. You're in the family. Everyone might be a creation of God, but not everyone's a child of God. As many as received him, to them he gave the right. Their position. Now, your family, my inheritance is your inheritance. Everything I have is yours. To them he gave the right. But you have to receive him. Like God gave his son, but you must receive God sent Jesus. Jesus came to earth, but you must receive that truth. As many as received him. Simeon, man, he just receives him. He takes him in. He prays over him. He blesses him. I love this too. And think about this idea. Why did God even have to send a son? Like why? Why did God even have to give this gift? You know, this gift is a statement. This gift is a huge statement. You've, you've heard of statement gifts, right? Statement gifts are usually offensive. Statement gift is the idea of like, hey, I got you a book on dieting. Like, oh, really? Why? That's weird. Or somebody gave you a book on like how not to be obnoxious. You're like, okay, I know what you're saying. That's weird. Um, I, I think I mentioned this, but years ago, I got my wife on accident, um, <laughs> a stocking stuffer. I remember her one time mentioning like, oh, teeth whitening, that's cool. I, at least I heard that, I thought. So I bought, I bought her teeth whitening. And she like opens up her stocking. She's like, what is this? I'm like, uh, it's for me? I messed up? I don't know. <laughs> like, just, you know, because she's like, are you saying I have yellow teeth? What are you saying? I'm like, I'm saying that I, it's in the wrong stocking. I'm sorry. Um, to her is a statement gift, right? Think about Jesus coming. It's a statement gift. What's the statement? You are a sinner who could never go to God on your own. You're not righteous enough. You're not good enough. You're not worthy of heaven, but I've given you the most precious thing I have. I've given you the best thing I have. The, the one who's eternal and infinite and all good and all loving, I'm giving you the best. And the statement is, you are a filthy sinner. I am a filthy sinner who could never be right with God. And I could never go to God, but God came to me. God approached us. The statement is that you and I would be lost forever without him. The statement is we're, we would be nowhere without him. The statement is like, we are nothing without him. The statement is offensive, but the offense leads to a beautiful blessing, but I've come to you, I've saved you, I've done it all, I've paid it all, here's my son. But you must receive, you must receive. This is a statement gift, that you and I are not good enough to ever be with him or in his presence or have eternal life. I have no right to have anything good in my life. There is this weird mentality in our day and age that like I, we deserve everything we have and I deserve it, I've worked hard for this. The, the gospel is basically saying, no, you don't, you don't. 
Everything is a gift from God. I love what Tim Keller says about this. He says, Christmas, like God himself, is both more wondrous and more threatening than we imagine. (laughs) That's what it is. He's more wondrous and more threatening. It shows you and I, I couldn't, I'd be nowhere without him. I need him. Um, I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said about Advent. He says, the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in soul, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, who look forward to something greater to come. You have to know this. This is for those who are poor and troubled in soul. If you think, no, I'm good, I'm good. I'm good, I I don't need this. This is cool that you Christians need this little Christmas thing to make yourselves feel good, but I'm good, I don't need this. I'd be like, you know what, you're probably right. Jesus said, I did not come for the healthy or the righteous. I came for the sick. Jesus like, I came for those people. So if you want to experience life, you have to boast in your sickness. You have to boast in, the, yeah, I'm, I'm nothing without him. I, I love, C.S. Lewis said it so famously, and maybe you've heard the saying, but he says, a proud man is always looking down on things and on people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. You know, if you're always looking down, I don't need, a Christian, that's so cute, you need this. You, you need this to feel good about yourself. You're always looking down and despising kind of a thing. As long as you're looking down, you can never look at something above you. So you have to realize, I need this. I need that statement gift. Like, yes, I received that statement gift. I am a filthy sinner in need of Jesus, in need of someone who could save me and come to me. We need this. As long as you're looking down, you can never see something above you. You need to see who's above you. You need to see who's above you, who came low, and who came to walk among us, who's not just distant. The whole idea of Advent is not God is somewhere. The whole idea of Advent is God is near. God is here. He's with us. Do you receive that? Simeon sees baby Jesus and is like, come on. Just loves it. Takes him from his parents. I don't know why I just love that. Don't take my baby today though, please. Um, but I love that. Just takes him, kisses him, blesses him, sings over him. My, salva- my eyes have seen your salvation. Do you see that phrase? My eyes have seen your salvation. This is it. When Jesus was, you know, when, when the angel appeared at uh, Mary and Joseph, the angel said, name him Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. He goes, I've seen Yeshua, salvation, Jesus, the one's going to save us from our sins. Can I tell you this? There's also another group of people this time who weren't looking, who weren't receiving. Do you remember when the angel showed up to Zechariah? Zechariah's in the temple. This is like part of Luke chapter one. This is like before the Christmas story. This is before baby Jesus and Mary. This is actually, the angel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, Zechariah, you're going to have a son. You need to name him John. He's going to be the one who leads the way for Jesus. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. And, and Zechariah goes, I'm too old. And the angel's like, you don't believe? You're going to be mute. You're not going to speak until after he's born. And he doesn't speak until after he's born. But the point of this brings up, like this message was given to him and he was not looking. He was not receiving. Beautiful thing is God still gave him his son. He still has to participate in that. But he was mute. He didn't believe. It affected him. And then there were people like Simeon and Anna who were like looking, waiting, receiving. Couldn't wait for it. The second point of this, again, is receiving. You must wait. You must receive. Lastly, this. The third idea is you must long for this. You must long for this. It's not enough to just tolerate this season. Like, oh, Christmas, it's, it's good, it's all right. You, know? you can't just like, tolerate the idea of Jesus coming then or now. This is something you should long for. I want to read it. Uh, it says it about uh, Anna, verse 38. Let's read that. It says, verse 36, sorry, verse 36. It says, there's a prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84 years old, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping, or maybe your translation says serving with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at the very hour, she began to thanks, give thanks to God and to speak to him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Israel. 
She was like worshiping, serving in the temple, fasting, praying. She, w- she was like looking and longing for this. This is so much more than just like, yeah, yeah, if he comes, he comes. When he comes, he comes. There's something so beautiful about saying, no, like, I'm actually loving the idea and I'm looking for it. And I'm loving the appearing of Jesus. You might know this verse, but I want to remind you of it. It's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but to who? But to all who love his appearing. John's, or Paul writes, I'm longing. I'm looking for the day. I love the day that Jesus will appear. Jesus is going to give me the crown of righteousness on that day. I'm going to receive a crown in heaven. And not just me, but you. If you love his appearing, you too will receive a crown of righteousness. There's, it's not just enough to be like, yeah, Jesus came and he's going to come. Do you love that? Do you long for that? Are you looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ? This is the, the theme of the New Testament. It's the idea of looking for the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you just go, yeah, yeah, when he comes, that'll be great. Are you praying, even so, come, Lord Jesus? It's Jesus telling John in the book of Revelation, I am coming back quickly. Then he says, even so, come quickly. <laughs> I'm going to come back fast. Make it faster. Hurry it up. I want to I be with you. Maranatha, even so, come, Lord Jesus. Again, the reason why I'm bringing this up is in this season of Christmas, we look back with just this reminder of gratitude, of thankfulness, but we look ahead with hopeful expectation. Jesus came. There was some time from Genesis 3 that God promised, the very first time God promised there will be one who will come from the woman. The idea of the virgin birth is communicated right away in Genesis 3.15. We said right away communicated. This idea, they had to wait quite a while for Jesus to come. We go, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus died and rose again. I know, we're like right there. It's been exactly 2,000 years. I know, it's been a while. But we, we look with the same eyes of like, Jesus, come. Even so, come. I love the appearing of my God and Savior. There's a crown of righteousness in store for those who love it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, one more quote from him. He says, the Advent season is a season, listen, of waiting. But listen, our whole life is an Advent season. That is a season of waiting for the last Advent, the last one for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Isn't that beautiful? There, this is Advent season, but there's one more Advent. I don't know when it is, but there's one more Advent. This is the last Advent, the last arrival, the last coming of nobility. This person is going to come with honor. And everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself just as he is pure. See, I, I, I long for that. I look for that. I want that. Come, Lord Jesus. Notice as she waited, she, it says she worshiped God day and night. Other times, she served God day and night. There's something about when you are waiting for Jesus, looking for Jesus, it leads to worship. It leads to service. It leads to, I just want to be a part, I want to be about my father's business. She's waiting, she's longing, she's worshiping. I want to throw up one more verse. Because in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, there's another verse right after it that I feel like it's ignored. Listen to this. Verse 9, Paul writes, be diligent to come to me quickly. Why? For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and departed for Thessalonica. What's really interesting, the reason why I'm bringing this up, Paul is saying, this is Paul's last letter. He wrote this right before he's beheaded. And he says, there's a crown of righteousness in store for me. I fought the good fight, finished the race. 
I'm about to die. There's a crown of righteousness for me and everyone who loves his appearing. In contrast, Demas has forsaken me. Why? He loved the world. The idea, listen, please listen. The idea is you either love his appearing or you love the world. He's like, I've loved his appearing. Demas loved the world and forsaken me and departed. The reason why I bring this up is Christmas season's weird. You can either love, you love the fact that Jesus came and is coming, or you love the glitter. You love the world. You love what this is. You love the things. And we can, like, from childhood, we just are programmed to, like, love the things. And there's this, like, thing in our nature that's a fight against it, like, because it's all about this anticipation of the present open. And I get it. Like, I know this feeling. But you're trying to, like, and even now, like, we'll, as a family, get together, and every Christmas, I'll try to read one, you know, I have a seven-year-old, it's like, Attention span's not great. I feel like so I'll read one passage and be like, this is about Jesus. My whole thing for my son at this point, just my parenting thing is, we got the greatest gift ever, Jesus. And in honor of that, we just give gifts. Because we receive such a great gift, we can't help but give gifts. I don't know. That's my way of connecting it with the seven-year-old. But it's just like saying, listen, we have the greatest gift ever. This is all going to be in the garbage dump. I'm like the Grinch. I'm like, this is all going to go to the garbage dump. But there's something better, and his name is Jesus, and he will not fade away. You have an inheritance in him that will last forever. My point of, the, of this is Paul saying, listen, I love his appearing, and God has something eternal in store for me. Demas loves something that is only temporary, and he departed. He loved the world. In the season of Advent, Love Jesus is appearing more. We see waiting, we see receiving, we see longing. Just looking, loving. They wanted it. We're looking for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel. This idea of he came, we're remembering that, God with us, but he's coming. O come, O come, Emmanuel. I want to read something to you from a catechism that I think is so beautiful. Catechism is just a, a a Christian tradition of a, a set of questions and answers as a way to kind of just remind ourselves of the important doctrine of the faith. And here's what this one catechism says. It says, when the church celebrates, just, when the church celebrates the liturgy of Advent each year, she makes present this ancient expectancy of the Messiah. For by sharing in the long preparation for the Savior, Savior's first coming, the faithful renew their ardent desire for his second coming. By celebrating the precursor's birth and martyrdom, the church unites herself to his desire. He must increase, but I must decrease. I want you to know this Jesus. I want you to know that God gave us the best thing he had, the eternal one the one who loves you, the one who can satisfy you, the one who can feel, fill that void in your soul that things will not fill, that people will not fill, Jesus can fill that void. He is that gift that is given from God and you must receive him. And I'll say this for Christians, for those of you who believe that, now look and long and love his second advent, his second coming. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Yes, amen. I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna share a couple things at the end. Father, we just want to say thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you for Simeon and for Anna, these two grandparents in the faith who showed us how to wait for you, how to serve you and worship you. Lord, how to just long for you and be faithful throughout it. God, I just ask in this season that you would, just even this week, Lord, um, bring our thoughts and our mind back to your word, back to what it is. God, you came to earth. The only way to respond to that is by saying, and I want to follow you with everything I got. This is not just some, this is not some simple claim. This is huge. 
God, you walked among us. And I, I just want to say thank you. Lord, I just ask that you'd speak and that you'd move, that Jesus, you would be elevated in this season, that you would be the focus, that we would just take you up in our arms, that we would tell others that he is here. Lord, let us just receive this beautiful truth, God. We just praise you in your wonderful name. Amen.